Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much, and who are, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Okay. That is my cue. It's Tom Richards, Removing Confusion Podcast. Today it is the 26th of November, 2022, two days after the Thanksgiving Turkey Day coma. Uh, I hope and pray that you had a great day. And if you have a chance, go back and listen to our Thanksgiving Day podcast where we talk about a little bit about Thanksgiving and the attack upon our national heritage holidays and whatnot, just a touch. And then we get into and finished first Peter with chapter five, very good, uh, hard hitting Peter, the first, uh, both books of Peter. Uh, but that one sets a, a stage for us to, uh, to really check ourselves as Paul would say, uh, that's the Apostle Paul, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Today we're going to talk about something just a little bit different since we've, we've done what I believe God wanted me to do as far as First Peter goes. We may go into Second Peter down the road a bit. I say that a lot and then I forget what I'm doing. But, you know, I, I, I go where I'm led and I try to. Um, because, you know, one thing that bothers me and has always bothered me is bad theology from organized religion. Bad theology from organized religion. Guys who will turn their back on Bible teachers and preachers who tell the truth 
unabashedly like the men that are in that opening? Can, do, you, do you not wish you could sit in a church where a man would tell you, I have to come to the end of myself, and then I can truly have a personal, one-on-one, tight relationship with my God. But, you know, there's so much, you know, oh, you know, you, you need to love yourself. You need to do this. You need to do that. And then they come off with all kinds of other stuff, you know, that you can do whatever you want because you whispered that five-second prayer one time 25, 30 years ago. And then when you say something like I've said to, I've said this to a minister or whatever you want to call them, they call themselves all kinds of names, pastor, preacher, whatever. I said I was called to preach. And he said, well, you know, a calling's just your desire to do something. And I looked at him like, who are you? Who are you? Evidently, you weren't called. And evidence of that can show. You listen to them when they talk. If they say, well, I wanted to go off and learn more about the Bible, and then I decided to, you know, do whatever. Uh, no, you know why you go do something for the first place. You know, God called you, or he didn't. Anyway, I heard a guy say something really, I've heard several say something that I really, we're going to dive into a little bit today. And I don't know if you've ever heard it before. I know in my research up to this, looking into a certain denomination and their belief system of what what some of them believe is ridiculous. Six-point power sermon goes through all these different little things and talks about, you know, good stuff. You know, salvation and... and, uh, heralding God and, and, and looking above and all these kind of things, you know, and then go to the sixth point and say, I really admire John the Baptist because Hey, he was a Baptist. You about fall out of your pew, don't you? And they go into this whole rhetoric of, of, you know, Baptist, Baptist, Baptist. I sat there and I was sitting on the very back pew of the church and I said, it's John the baptizer. And we're going we're gonna to prove that. We're going to prove it. If you have a Bible and you want to follow me along, I pray that you do or at least listen and check it out later. Luke chapter 1 is where we'll start. And we're going to look at something to discount this thing that these people think. Discount it. Put it out in the in the weeds and forget about it because it's stupid. It's ignorant, really. And, you know, you have guys who have gone to so-called Bible colleges and come back with this kind of, I wouldn't even say that in, an, in a pulpit. But then again, ain't too many pulpits open to me right now. And that's that's in God's timing how that works. Luke chapter 1 and verse number, oh, let's say 5. Then, I'm sorry, there, there was in the days of Herod the king of Judea. Now, first of all, Judea. The word Judea 
is where the word Jew came from in the first place. I forget if it was Cyrus or one of the uh, despots of the old days that, that just short, ah, you're a bunch of Jews, you know. And that's not a slang. That's not a mean term. It's just, you know, we have seen a lot of afterwards the talk of the Jews. So anyway, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia and his wife uh, was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Now look at that. See how that is? These are godly parents. Oh, by the way, they're Jews. Okay, they're Jews. They're Hebrews. They're Israelites. But in verse 7, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass while he was executing or he had, while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And there was a lot of people outside praying without at the time of incense. And, you know, I'm just, you know, breezing this a little bit because of, I don't want to belabor a whole lot. Then there appeared unto Zacharias, it says him, but under Zacharias, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fell upon him. And the angel said, fear not. They always say that. You better hope if you ever run into an angel you're going to be scared. You better be. But if he says, fear not, that means he's coming with good news, <laughs> or, or at least you're not going to get wiped out. Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before them in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the, wis- to the wisdom of the just to make a ready people prepared for the Lord. Now, you know the rest of the story if you know your Bible and you can read it. Uh, Zacharias is like, wait, I'm an old guy, and my wife's not really that young either. We're way past childbearing age. The angel said, it's Gabriel, by the way. The angel said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and show thee these glad tidings. But he says, you're going to be stricken dumb or mute, unable to speak. And that's what happened. So here we have the, the, the father and the mother 
of John the Baptist, or as we will start to call him as we go along, John the Baptizer. Now, if you go back and you review very quickly in your own little way the lineage of John. Now, we don't have a lineage of him like we would of Jesus because they had to prove a lot more in the lineage of Jesus. But John is in it. He is a cousin as we find out later. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and to find her uh, pregnant, and Mary as well is pregnant. So we know that the, she said, I went, I go to see my cousin. But anyway, um, Zacharias, his father, is a temple priest. And he's in the temple lighting the incense. I won't. I won't go into the all the the uh, ritualistic bits and pieces there. That and it's very it's interesting when you start to really dig deep into it. You know what they did and how they did it and why they did it. Incense, though, in these days that we live in, we we when we pray. It is like incense to the Lord. It goes well into his nostrils, the the things that we pray for. If you're praying in the will of God. Now, again, uh, Zacharias was a priest. You could not be a, you couldn't be anything but a a Jew. and, And I think specifically a Levite and be a priest. You had to be. So he's Jewish. The mother, Elizabeth, is also is also a Jewish woman, and she comes from the lineage of Aaron, brother of Moses. Again, only Jewish men could perform the tasks in the temple. And he, they were right and up. They were right and righteous and and upright before God, together. So you know, again, they're a picture, looking backwards, of Abraham and Sarah, two older people, stricken with barrenness. She is. You know, and it was always the, the the thing with parents was they, or with married couples in that day, is they they always wanted to have families and usually big ones. Those were that the kids were your social security system. You know, they were the ones that took care of you as you got older, and they took over the business if you had one. And you know that then on and not then on and on. So if you were barren and you didn't have any kids, it was it was a rough day, and and you know, it was it was seen as, uh, almost like a curse. We'll put it that way. But here comes Gabriel to tell them you are going to have a son, and his name will be John. Matthew chapter three, verse one. Not to belabor and get into all the the 
the weeds in, in temple worship and all that, we'll just get over to Matthew chapter 1. Or, sorry, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. We, we now have John has been born. He's born about six or eight months prior to Jesus being born. So he came first. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. And in those days came John the Baptist. Now that's in capital letters in the King James Bible. Preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, this is where we're going to dig a little bit because it's necessary, as they say in London. It's necessary. John the Baptist, in Greek, the word is baptistes. There's two words that roll around baptizing and Baptist and all that. Uh, This is a specific one. If you use a concordance, it's Greek or G, number 910, baptistes. And it means a baptizer, one who administers the rite of baptism, the surname of John the forerunner of Christ. See, that's where I, I, I have problems because it's not it's not John's last name. Okay. You know, John Baptist. No, it was not his It was a title that was bestowed upon him. And if you go through and you look, you'll notice that this word is only used in conjunction with John. There is no other word, there's no other use of the word that I can find, baptistes, which is baptizer. And it's, you know, ranges from Matthew 3, 1, which we just read, all the way down to Luke 9. They answered, said, John the Baptist but some say Elias. The other, you know, that's where they're asking Jesus. Asking who, 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 who do people say I am? And some say, "Well, you're John the Baptist reincarnated, or whatever. Not reincarnated, but you know, in the spirit of. But he was not. Jesus was in the spirit of God. You know, that's all there is to it. And John was in the spirit of Elijah. And if you read uh, the first appearance of Elijah in the old Testament, you notice he came out with camel hair and a leather girdle and all this kind of stuff. He, he's a wild man. I'm telling you, John the Baptist was a wild man as well. I mean, it's a wild man for God. Now, how you can tell that John Baptist or John the baptizer is not the first Baptist as the denomination likes to claim, is usually, to me, you can find it in verse number two. He came out of the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by prophet Isaiah, that's Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord 
make his paths straight. This is, you know, and then the same, this same John had his raiment of camel hair and a leather girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. That's a guy, that's a guy with a, with a, with a serious diet, right? Uh, I'm not doing that if I can help it. I'm not a bug eater, but you know, when you live out in the wilderness, you learn how to do stuff. Now, the name John is actually in Hebrew, Yohanan. Yohanan. Jehovah is a gracious giver. That's what it means. Hebrew names all mean something. You know, there's I've heard people say like uh the 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 town of Bethany, that's where uh Lazarus and his sisters live. I heard a guy say, oh, that was probably something. They named it after somebody's uh, daughter or sister. And that means house of fish. The word Beth or Biet means fish, house of fish. So do your research. You know, don't listen to these guys who just throw stuff against a wall and see if it sticks. It's irritating. You know, and it takes away from the, from the gospel message to me. It really does. And that's where it pushes me to go find and learn and understand. And when I do, it's like, okay, I can write that off. I knew it when I heard it. John was not a Baptist, as in denominational Baptist. As far as we know, he never left the Jewish faith. Now, he was definitely at odds with the Jewish faith as it was being done in uh, that his day and age. And that's what it, he was there to set the stage for the one that came after him, Jesus the Christ. You know, Christ is not Jesus' last name, by the way. It's as well a title. Christ the, uh, Jesus the Christ, or Jesus the anointed one of God. Now, let's go ahead and read a little bit more. The Pharisees show up, and the Sadducees. These are two Babylonian-created entities. Uh, when, 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 when the uh, Jews went off into Babylon and they came back, the, these Pharisees and Sadducees kind of popped up. You, know, you don't really hear about them in the Old Testament, but that's pretty much the idea. Pharisees at least believed in a resurrection, uh, but again, they were against Jesus, and now they're against John. So let's just go ahead. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, now that word right there, let's just look at that in Matthew 3, 7. Okay? Because I believe we're going to find that's a different word than the other one was. It's baptisma in Greek, which means, you know, to be immersed. Uh, awesome stuff. So just, just as an aside, you know, we've already covered it enough, I think. I don't need to knock that into the, into the ground. There's two different words, baptizer and baptism. baptism. 
And he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. Again, he brings forward repentance. I remember a few years ago, I got into a back and forth, uh, which I don't do at all anymore. It was Facebook in its early days, and I got into a thing. This guy called himself a Baptist minister, and we got in it going back and forth about repentance. And he says, that's a work. That's a, that's a, that's not a, that's not, uh, that's not true Christianity or, you know, whatever you're, that's works, works related. Repentance is works related. But I said, well, why did Jesus, one of the first things he said was repent ye therefore. And so did John repent the, well, in the book of John, the word repent doesn't show up. He says, when you turn your back on things like repentance. There's usually a good reason for it. I believe in repentance. I believe that sometimes we even backslide to a point where we need repentance. And that's who John's talking to is some guys who actually, I don't know if they even front slid They're they're backslid big time. They're using their works and their, their piety and their, their high station as their way to heaven. I don't know how the Sadducees ever thought they were going to make it because they didn't believe in the resurrection. You just went into the ground and you molded. Sad, you see, as a joke goes. But uh, John yells at him and says, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. Okay, there's repentance. You need to have repentance. Well, you know, the guy I argued back and forth with on the on the stupid platform of Facebook, it turns out he was an open homosexual who had supposedly a church. I don't know who was in it. I, I don't know where he was at, and I don't care. Uh, once I found that out, we had nothing more to talk about. And I'm not homophobic, as they say. But, you know, when you try to, you know, and here's, here it is, you know, the Bible, he knew it. He could, he could quote stuff. He could throw junk out there and, and, you know, try to make it look like he, I mean, write these long passages and stuff on the comments. And, you know, people were like, wow, dude, you're pretty good. And then you find out he's got a boyfriend. So yeah, he needs repentance. But see, when you, when you are so stuck against it, you're so stuck against it. There's something fishy going on. Let's go on down a little bit. That's enough of that. I believe in repentance. I do not believe that it is a works-based gospel. I believe it is, you know, you can't whisper this little prayer that they want you to say or however the mantra goes and then walk away and just go right back into the world like you were before you got there. And, you know, some people do. They change. But when they don't have the discipleship to go with it, that's the idea of church. It's to build up the crowd as they go through a week of fighting the devil. Sometimes you end up fighting him right there in the pew. You know, that, and, you know that, those thoughts that come into your head and all that, what nobody explains, oh, well, that's just your human nature, you know. And I, I, I'm with that, but I've I got to tell you, there's more to it than that. You're being attacked. There are demonic forces 
in the world. And when you decide to follow Jesus, when you make a effort or you make that, you know, when you've been pricked at the heart and you go forward or you get saved in your pew or in your bed or wherever it happens, and then you just continue to do the things you were always doing that you know are wrong. And you know how you know they're wrong is when you try to hide them from yourself even, but you're never hiding them from God. Now, let's go a little bit further. There's there's some really good stuff in this little uh, dissertation with uh, John and the the Pharisee-Sadducee crowd. And he says, you know, bring forth that fruit, uh, meat for repentance, And they talk about Abraham being their father, and they're you know, uh, he, said, he says, "For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham." What a wonderful thing to say! Now, some people think that the stones weren't literal stones, but you know, you could think that because God can do anything. But the stones were like Gentiles or something. But I believe, yo, he's saying you can pick up that rock right there. God can take that rock and raise up children unto Abraham. Now, Matthew 3.10. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth good fruit is hewn down. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. That bringeth not forth good fruit. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Ouch! And uh, what what what's he hitting on there? I wonder. I think he's just telling you, you know, if you're if you're not saved, if you haven't made a commitment to Christ. And this is before Jesus starts his ministry. But John knows these guys. He says, you know, you, you're, you guys don't bring forth good fruit even in the system that you're in. Jesus told these same fellows that you go out and make proselytes, you know, three times more the child of hell than you are. Something to that effect. They, they weren't even following the rules that were set down by God that they were supposed to be. They kept adding to them, and, and then they'd whizzle around and get it so that they wouldn't have to follow them. And, uh, you know, you have to, we don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's just the way it is. You know, you, you, uh, you see this really good back and forth with, John and the Pharisee Sadducee crowd. He he kind of lays them out there. But he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Now, there you go. Uh, The Baptists do not believe that you are baptized unto repentance. They only do believers' baptism. And I agree with that. I really do. I believe that's the right way to do that. You should make a commitment to Christ. You should already have a belief system in the Holy Ghost living within you before you go get baptized. There's there's some that don't, and I don't argue with any of them. 
the, the main, like I've always said, the main thing in the middle of all the belief systems is the real Jesus, who is indeed deity, the son of the living God, There's and then the trinity of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And we're going to hit that because John says, Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He, Jesus, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner though he will burn up all the chaff. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And then after that, Jesus comes to John and is baptized. This is pretty hard-hitting stuff. When you go through it and you start to pick it apart, it is intense and, you know, maybe you've never heard anybody, you know, if you're not, if you don't sit in a Baptist church, you probably never heard somebody say, oh, John was a Baptist. Now, you know, it's, 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 it's a modern ignorant fallacy that John was a Baptist. Like the denomination, you know, calls itself. You know, I don't know. I I just, I really have trouble with people who read the Bible in such literal terms that they can't see that, you know, this is, <laughs> it's almost funny to talk about in a way, but, uh, let's go ahead. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at, you know, John was Jesus's earthly cousin And uh, that would also mean that Jesus wasn't really a Baptist either. He was a, he was born a Jew, circumcised in the eighth day in the temple, as is the custom. Jesus was crucified with a sign over his head that said, King of the Jews. There's really no debate. Can there be debate? I really don't think so. But, you know, there will be those that will try to. Well, it says John the Baptist. He's got to be a Baptist. That's just stupid. Sorry. I don't like to be crass or mean or any of that. Uh. There's, there's several places you can go and read this little bit. And, you know, Mark chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. And it's all the same. It all, it all melds together and it fits together pick to pick. Let's go on. I, I, I you know, again, I got pages of notes here that, I just tap on here and there. I do like the idea of what he said, you know, the, the, the tree that, the tree that doesn't produce 
fruit. It's going to be, the axe is already at the root, and it's going to be tossed into the fire. The fire isn't for purification on that one. A tree is never purified by fire. A, a tree's burned up. And these guys are coming at him day and night trying to trip him up. When, when John was out of the way, they did the same thing with Jesus. Next on my list of crazy things that people say and have no way to back it up is the first church was a Baptist church. I had a guy, I have a guy, I've heard him say it three or four times. Now, again, luckily, he's not preaching to many people. And I think most of them either just aren't listening, like a lot of churches. Some may be totally engrossed and believe it because, hey, the preacher said he's an evangelist. He's good at it. Yeah, you know what he's talking about. I'm going to shoot this one down pretty quick. The first church was... A Baptist church, really? And it's so extremely easy to just like discount. Discount the whole thing. It's just ignorant to even think it. Some backward modern Baptists refuse to accept or give any account for Pentecost Sunday. Now, was that, the, was that where the church started? That's where a lot of people think, and we can go with that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's argumentation for, you know, that as well. But Acts chapter 2 tells us something different. It tells us what the first church was comprised of if that was to be the first church. And, you know, going with common, you know, modern-day vernacular, we'll just stay with that. It's easy to to roll with it. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. And, well, first off, let's just read, you know, 2, 1. And then, or, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house while they were sitting, and there appeared the cloven tongues like as fire that sat upon each one of them. Then they were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, now, here's where we really want to kick into gear. That's, that was, you know, that's where the Charismatics and the Pentecostals really take off as the the other tongues and flaming fire and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, uh, was it a one-off? Could be. I don't know. I, I believe that there is no, the, the gifts of the Spirit are not gone. They haven't successed or gone into cessation or whatever the proper terminology is, which is what most Baptists believe, that there are no gifts of the Spirit. Well, if that were the truth, then they shouldn't be preaching because evangelist, uh, evangelism is one of the gifts. So anyway, and then, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem, at Jerusalem, Jews. Wow, Jews again. Devout men out of every nation under the heaven, under heaven. 
Uh, we're just going to go through this as quickly as we can. They were confounded, of course. They heard these guys you know, speaking in their own languages. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, aren't these guys Galileans? And now we hear every man in his own tongue wherein we were born. Now, verse 2, or uh, Acts 2, 9. Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and in parts of Libya and Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes. Cretes, Albanians, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Albanians, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were amazed in doubt, and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocked that these men are full of new wine. So some were like looking at this thing that happened in front of them, and they were like, wow, this is God working. And there were the others that mocked and said, yeah, these guys are just drunk. And now when I, I have had a, 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 stor- a sorted enough past to say, I never got drunk and started speaking in Phrygian or Chaldean or, or any of the other uh, Elamite or Elamian, <laughs> Egyptian, whatever. You know, I, ne- I didn't happen to me. This, this is a work of God. This is a work of God. And when it's done correctly, which I got to say, I've never really seen it done correctly. People speaking in tongues. I'll just say that straight up front. I don't, I don't discount the idea that it can happen, but I've never seen it done correctly because usually it's just, you know, some kind of blah, 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 blah stuff. But, uh, Peter clears it all up and he says, stands up and standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words for these men aren't drunk as ye suppose seeing it is but the third hour of the day but this is what god spoke of the prophet joel or joel he shall come to pass in the last days saith god i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now let's just stop there because of how I wanted to kind of touch this and say, okay, another fallacy that the first church was a Baptist church. The first church was not a Baptist church. It may have been a church that baptized people and immersed them as baptismo means or baptisma. But as we just saw, everybody that was there was Jewish. There were probably some, the proselytes were in there too. But for the most part, they were Jewish. So we have not a Baptist church, but a Pentecostal Jewish church. Oh, no, they're Pentecostal. Oh, well, ye men of Judea. Well, again, where did we get the word Jew from? Now, to also discount the first ba- the first church with a Baptist church is the uh, Romans one sixteen, 
and Romans 2, 9, and 10, which use the terminology, the Jew first and then the Gentile. That was, the, that was God's original plan. Jesus, when he was here, he didn't go out and speak. To, well, he, you know, he talked to the uh, Samaritan woman, but he didn't go out and do a lot of, of uh, proselyzing amongst Gentiles. There were a few. There were a few, but his main focus was upon the Jew. That's what his, his mission was, to the Jew. And as these fellows come along, they also, to the Jew first, and then the Gentile. Now, um, God knew what God knows, and he knew from beginning of time that he would Jesus was sent here for all men to come to uh to come to God to be salvaged and sacri- saved through salvation of Jesus from their sins that's the only way there's only one way you know, uh, one guy said i heard uh, earlier today listening to something he said there's a million ways to hell, but only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. There's no other way. None. So that's that. That was Jesus' mission. But his mission was basically to Israel, to the Jew. Then in God grabbed a hold of Paul and took him out and said, you are going to go out and talk, preach, and be a missionary to the Gentiles. And we should all be so thankful that that happened. (laughs) Now, I'm not calling anybody anything, okay? I'm not trying to be ugly or crass or or mean or put down or any of that because you know there's there's a lot of room for uh what our baptist brothers and sisters do as far as missions go um they just have some odd thoughts at times like they want to be first i will remind you that jesus said the last will be first and the first will be last more than once but uh, let's just look at something. There's an ear, the earmarks of a cult. And this is where it gets sticky. I'm not calling any particular anyone a cult. I will say there are cults out there. There's some that are, you know, you know uh, witnesses, JWs, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, their way's the only way. Mormons. Some, to a certain degree, the Catholics. Their way is the only way. You got to be in the church. You got to do mass. You got to do all that stuff. But the, the and I only, these are just off the top of my head. You know, a few little ticks off the, off the whole thing. The earmarks to me of a cult is only we have the answers. Only we have the answers you know you can't get them anywhere else but here now if you're a christian in the old days in the days that i was just speaking of in in uh, the days of acts and 
and on from there. The Jews and the other folks around them, they looked at the Christians as a cult because they believed they had the right answers, and they did. They had Jesus. But that's how they looked at him. So you, you can be viewed as cultic from all kinds of different sides and, and, and perspectives. But uh, there's the, the ones that are more common today, and you know, they have, but you can see it when you, when you sit and listen. And I've, I've, I've heard things over the past many years uh, that made me just quiver a bit, and that is one of them, that we have, we have the answers here. You know, they kind of want to shove everybody outside of their belief system or their denomination. They push them away. There are some of these places that just go to the point where even your family members, if your family member is a Methodist and you're a Baptist or, or, or a, a Presbyterian or whatever, you shouldn't really even associate with them because they're not in this, the, the, uh, the social circle that you're in. You've decided to join our group. You should shun all the rest of them unless you're trying to proselyze them to come in. You should only read the books written by our denomination only. You know, the, the pastors and the, the elders and the educated ones that will write a book. And I'll tell you what, I've, I've read some denominationally driven books. They're horrible. They're just not even good. And because it's all, you know, focusing and funneling you in one direction. This, this is what we believe, and they usually end up putting down everybody around them. Should only go to our churches. You know, if you're, if you're a, an evangelist, your job really is to evangelize. All right, so if you believe you have this system or you have this belief, you should be actively engaging and trying to get into the other churches, the Methodists. Now, they probably won't take you because they have their own thing going on or the Presby's or the whoever, you know, the first church of God or whatever. You should be trying to push yourself in there because, hey, I know something that you guys don't know and I want to share it with you. Or you set up a tent somewhere in the middle of town and try to drag everybody in. Should only listen to our preachers. And some of them, that's all they do. That's the only people that they're going to listen to are the guys in their denomination. And I'm not, again, I'm Baptists. I ain't talking to you right now or talking about you. I've seen this in every denomination that I've been. I've been in a lot of them or been not in them, but part of them. You've know, been, been in their midst. And they get to the point where it's only us. You know, assemblies of God. You've got to be an assemblies of God preacher. You ain't coming in here. Or you got to be in a, you know, you should only go to another Assemblies of God church or another Methodist church or another whatever, you Baptist, and it goes on. They, they become so squared off and boxed in. They won't go anywhere else. They won't touch on anything else. They won't listen to anything else. And mostly it's been because those preachers, those teachers, those that are uh, worthy to carry the title of whatever 
have been to one of those indoctrination centers. They call Bible colleges. Now, I'm not against Bible college. I think it's a great thing. Uh, if you can find one that's not so driven towards one denomination, like Hillsdale, or online is getting to be some of the better stuff to do, but it's always good to go and you know rub shoulders and elbows with the guy next to you and, and you know cheat off his paper or whatever you know you know what I'm saying. Where you can study together and learn and iron sharpens iron and all that good stuff. Denominational doctrines, there's there's so many and they're varied and they're, there's there's very little leeway between one to the another. You know, there's some that believe in the the the, the uh, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and there's the other ones. It's you know the baptism of water, and then there's a Methodist. It's a sprinkling, and you know it goes on and on. Now I I, I have, I'm a, a mercer. I believe in being dunked completely, so that's a good thing. But the most thing is in denominational circles. Jesus, this is the important stuff to me doctrinally. I left some of it out because I'm running out of time. But Jesus is the Lord, is is our Lord. Jesus is God. Jesus carries deity. He is the second person of the Godhead, as they say. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. When you're baptized, that's whom you should be baptized into, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Notice they're all God, and, and people have trouble. That's kind of hard to break down the Trinity idea, and there's, there's some you know, ways to look at that that make it easier. We'll you know, search that out someday when we have time, perhaps. The Bible is that central document that keeps us straight, all of it. Not just New Testament, because, oh, we're a New Testament church. No, we're an all-Testament church. If you read the New Testament, you'll find that the Old Testament is in there. And like I say, God is revealed as three. God the Son, or God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And, you know, there's, there's a lot more that I could go into to roll up this idea of you know what's the best doctrine and all you you can you if you read the bible you know baptists that want to say that john was the first baptist or the first church was baptist they better know their own they they should know their own history and i and i don't like church history as far as that goes i mean i like the first church history but uh, you, you Baptist guys, just get this straight. You came around 1609-ish, they say, 17th century in England, sprung from the Puritans. Now they're the largest denomination in America as a whole, if you take in them all, Southern Baptist, Fundamental Baptist, Baptist of America, which are a bunch of liberal loons. And it seems like ones that spring from one from another always end up being that way. They 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 milk and they they milk water things down. They typically believe in once saved, always saved, pre tribulation rapture, uh, a strong bent towards Calvinism. Even though some have gone the more Arminian way, 
of that you can lose your salvation and all that kind of stuff. And again, we're not here to bash anybody. It's just, you know, when you when you make statements, preacher, from your pulpits or wherever or evangelist or whoever you are, you better be able to back up what you say because you are going to be called on it someday. And you should be called on it now before it's too late. But, you know, these guys are so rooted and stuck and, and into their their whole thing that it's hard to, to break them out of it. And that's a, that's a sad commentary, but that's the commentary of the modern Christian church. I am not again saying anybody's lost. Anybody's on their way to hell or any of that kind of thing. I'm just trying to clear up some stuff that really it irritates people. When you say that to a non person of your denomination somebody that's not in your denomination let's put it that way nobody's a (laughs) non-person i messed that up but when you're not in that denomination and you push that issue it makes it sound like the only place that you're ever going to get to god or get to jesus or get to heaven is through the doors of our church And I just told you there's only one place you can go, and that is Jesus himself. True repentance, truly turning away from the the world, but still being in it, but following the shepherd that came and took our sins away. That is how we get where we're going. We become children of the king till the next time I, get, I know i rambled a lot here but it, it's just i love truth and truth is what sets us free or makes us free till next time tom richardson removing confusion have a great day enjoy the rest of your weekend Father, well, he's made me his own.